0: Now, I bet many of you have used that phrase probably as of late, right? You've been blessed? I know that I... I, I, Come on now. I know some of you have used that phrase that you've been blessed, right? People say, how are you doing? I'm blessed. Or have a blessed day. We use that phrase all the time. I think we use it uh, maybe ad nauseum for some of us, that that's kind of our language, that's our word. In fact, we use it so much down here in the South that I see it plastered on shirts at Walmart. You know what I'm saying? Now, you know if it's on a shirt at Walmart, it gets a lot of wearage. You know what I mean? So I know this is a word that you have used. I know that you've thought about it. I know that you may have said it without thinking about it at times. I think we use it in all kinds of ways down here in the South. One of my favorite ways that we say it is when somebody does something and we want to kind of pity them in our heart, we say, oh, bless their heart. Right? Is that how that goes? I heard that a lot growing up towards me. I, I, I like that phrase. I, I don't think that's exactly in the scriptures what that idea of being a blessing or being blessed means. In fact, I think that most of us would probably say that we've used that term in different ways. One, another way, real quick, that we might say it is uh, we say we're going to bless the food, right? When we go to eat together, we're going to bless the food or say a blessing. And uh, I think sometimes we're not sure exactly what we're saying then, we just know we're about to pray and then eat, amen? Right? I think that some of us might need a little refresher in what it means in the scriptures when we talk about being blessed. And so we're going to look at a a passage of scripture right now, and for the next three weeks, it's going to really hit on how we are blessed by God and how then we are to bless in return. And so I want you to kind of get out of your brain, whatever you've been thinking about, what that word blessing means, or to be a blessing, or to be blessed, and let the scriptures inform us today. Uh, The idea for this series comes straight out of this text. I think many of us have got this uh, wrong idea, and we don't say it out loud, we would never say it out loud, but we actually have have kind of lived in this idea that we're actually, hear me right, don't get offended here, sometimes we live in such a way that we act as if God is little and we are big. I think oftentimes we're walking in our day, we're doing our thing, and we're not in, in, in awareness of the grandness and the majesty of God and in His sovereignty over us, in His power that is all-powerful, He's omnipotent, that He is the God who created all things out of speaking. And I think today, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at some some texts in the Scripture together right here in the first part of Ephesians that's going to really challenge us to to, to understand who God is rightly, because as we should know, what we believe about God dictates how we worship, and if we worship something other than the true God of the Bible, then we are worshiping a false God, and that is a dangerous thing to live in. So I hope that this morning, as we look in this text over the next two weeks, that you'll just let the scriptures inform us, that we will take it in the context of all scripture. That's what you do, right? If you find something in the Bible, you're not sure what it means, you look in other places to get better uh, clues and definitions to the meaning. We let scripture interpret scripture. We'll do that some today as well. But I also want you to recognize that the whole point of this passage, the whole point of what we're going to study the next three weeks, is that God loves you more. Now, I'm not sure if you do this in your house, but we have this thing that we do in my house with all my little kids. Uh, whenever somebody says, I love you, oftentimes somebody will pipe off, I love you more. Does that happen in your house? Yeah? Sometimes we then take it further. We're like, I love you more than the whole ocean, right? Or I love you more than the moon and back. I love you more than all these things. We try to outdo one another and how much we love each other, kind of as a game, but also to see who's going to win in the, in the real life, right? Because everybody has got to win because we're competitive at least in my family. And the idea for this whole passage is to show us that no matter how much we think we love God, no matter how much we think we do for God, no matter how much we think that we have have wanted to accomplish for Him or will plan to accomplish for Him, that God loves us more than we could ever love Him back. He loves us more than we could ever deserve, and He loves us more than we can ever really imagine. And so I want us to look at the scriptures and let us be informed by that. Let's look in Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to really be focusing on verse 3 today, but we're going to read verses 1 through 3. And then in a moment, we're going to read the whole uh, passage there, verses 1 through 14, because verses 3 through 14 in the original language is actually one sentence. I know some of you English grammarians are going to really struggle with that because it's one long run-on sentence to you, but not in Greek. They didn't have that terminology. It's just one sentence, all right? And verse 3 is the, 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 the foundation of everything that's said after that. It is the central idea here and actually throughout the whole rest of the letter that Paul has written to the, to the church at Ephesus that we're looking at today. And I want us to really get a big idea. We're going to focus on one verse for our time together. Let's read verses 1 through 3, then we'll pray together, and then we'll divide the Word of God. Verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. A great salutation. Now he jumps into the meat of the whole rest of his letter. This is what he says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Say it again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly. Places. This word for blessed, notice it's here three times. Anytime you see repetitiveness going on in scripture, you need to take note. God chose every word in the Bible for a purpose, and we understand that to be that a lot of times he does so in, in ways in which he wants us to take note in a specific way. And one of the biggest ways he does that is by showing it to us in multiple times. And this idea of blessing is, occur- is occurring three times in this one verse. Look again and notice it. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us In Christ, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I think this is about blessing. You think? But the word is used differently in the first part than in the second and third part. Notice again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is what we see all throughout the Old Testament. We see this idea of of the authors who who are inspired by the Holy Spirit to write these words are saying, Worship God. Praise God. Give glory to God. Make much of God. That's what he's saying here in the start. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ. Now, he's not saying there who has worshiped us in Christ. It doesn't make sense with the rest of Scripture when you read it. God doesn't worship us, we worship Him. And so as we see that, and it says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It means worship God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Note, by the way, that he's saying God is in the full deity. And he's talking familiarly in the, in the father sense because the son is also fully, fully human. And so he has a dad and it's God the father. God the father is deity and full in spirit. And the son became one of us who is human and fully deity. He says, blessed, worship, be they, worship him. Worship God the Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So what does he mean by that when he says blessed us? To be blessed means that you have every joy and every benefit your heart and soul needs and longs for. That all those things have been given to you in Jesus, according to this text. That he has blessed you, he has given to you, he has made much of you because of what he wants to love on you and so he's given you everything you need in jesus read it again one more time blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ who has blessed us in christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places now our sinful selves our hearts like it to be about us in totality we won't say that out loud too much but that's the way we like to read things right this is about me. Let me see the parts that are about me. Look, God has blessed me with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That's where we like to go with it. And that's there, and that is true, but that is not the focus of this whole passage. In fact, let's read verses 3 through 14, and I want you to notice a couple of things. If you go back to your 8th grade English, some of you for your ninth and 10th grade English, right? If you're like me, you didn't pay attention to a college when you had to write papers there. Go back and notice who is the subject Who's the, who's the focus? Who's the one that this passage is about? And then who is the object, the one that the subject is kind of focusing on what he's doing for us? So we're being done for, and it's about God himself. God is doing all the stuff in here, and then we are receiving all these things. Okay, so this is a big God, little man theology. Got it? Let's look at it. Walk through it with me. Verse 3 on. I'm going to kind of emphasize what God is doing for us, right? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Worship him who has blessed us. He has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him, Jesus, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. When you read it like that and you see the emphases put on the subject and not on the object, the way it should be, you recognize very quickly that it's about him. right? It's not about us. Although we receive the benefits of what he's doing... But it's ultimately about his praise and his glory for his adoration, for our worship of him. And that is good because God alone is the one who deserves all the worship and adoration and praise. He's the only one who has always been good. He's the only one who has always lived up to the law, which is a reflection of his character, which we have failed at over and over again. He alone is the one that deserves all the praise and glory for being kind and gracious beyond what he should or has to do. We don't deserve any of his grace and mercy because we are sinners. You're going to read chapter 2, which I encourage you to start reading through this whole letter at least once a week, if not once a day, and get familiar with it. As you go through chapter 2, you see that it is not by our ability, but by grace that we've been saved. His grace laid upon us. Not because we've earned it, but because he loves us so much. By the overflow of his love, he created us to dote on us and love on us and to adopt us back in his family, even though we went to war with him in our sinfulness. This is a God that shows love that we cannot match. This is a God who shows love that we can never, ever outdo. This is a God who shows the kind of love that we hope we can live out for our children and for our spouses, yet we will often fail in, yet he never fails. So I want to take a few minutes and help us to understand this in the context of this passage. Just that first verse again, listen. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I want you to hear it in the context of this passage, because we need to understand how we are to worship, and this should drive us to worship. Listen, if I'm going to give you one big statement for today, it's simple. And you can insert several different words for the first word, but here it is. It won't, you want to have anything else on the screen to write down? This is your one write-down thing if you're writing down something, okay? Are you ready? Okay, here we go. Bless God because he loves you more. Bless God because he loves you more, and put on the end, in Jesus. You can insert several words. Worship God because he loves you more in Jesus. Adore God because he loves you more in Jesus. You can say like this, bless God because he loves you more in, through, and by the work and person of Jesus. Bless God because he loves you more. Worship God because he loves you more. Adore him because he loves you more because of what he's done for us in Christ Jesus. So let's unpack that for a few minutes. Let me say it a different way. He's proven his love for us by sending us his one and only son, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Bless God because we've been united with Christ, our Lord and our Redeemer. You see, when it says that we are in Christ, and you saw it throughout this passage, right? In verse 3, it says that we are in Christ. In verse 4, he chose us in him. In verse 5, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. To the praise of his glorious grace with which he's blessed us in the beloved. In verse 6. In verse 7, in him we have redemption, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will. You may think we didn't say in him. Actually, in scripture it talks about that Jesus has become our wisdom, God's wisdom for us, his righteousness, our redemption. Is making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ. Everything is about being united with Christ. It all comes through Jesus or it comes to us not at all. That's the caveat here, right? Oftentimes we'll talk about being blessed because we didn't get in that accident. And that is a blessing of the Lord. We'll talk about being blessed because we got some kind of financial windfall of some kind or we didn't have to pay out some kind of debt. Or we got blessed because uh, somebody was saved from a sickness or because somebody got the thing they've been hoping for and praying for. And those are all true. But ultimately, those things should all point us back to Jesus or it's all for naught because those things are meant to showcase the glory and worthiness of God for our worship and our love and our adoration. That's why he starts off worshiping in his writing. We worship together in song in this place, and then we worship together as we read and study the Word and as it changes our hearts to love God more because He loves us much more than we can ever love Him. So when Paul's writing, I imagine he's worshiping, because he writes off that way. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Blessed be Him, starting off in worship, Because of what he's about to tell them about that. Listen, James 1, 16 and 18 says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Say that part again. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Just like Jesus Christ came down to us. The perfect gift of jesus romans 8 32 he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all how will he not also with him graciously give us all things we need to stop pleading with the lord to give us more stuff and start pleading with the lord to give us more of himself we don't get to heaven and enjoy the things of god we get to heaven to be in the presence of and enjoy god himself That's what eternal life is about. It's not about getting out of the junk here just to escape that stuff. It's about becoming able to be stepping into the presence of God because we've been declared righteous. Because the perfect son of God came and lived the life we could not live. And died the death that we deserve for our sinfulness. And though he was perfect, he died in our place. Taking on the wrath that we deserve for all eternity. And he drank that down to the end. So that we could be brought into his family because he then rose in victory over Satan, sin, death, and hell. So we could be brought into the family of God through his power, for his glory, by his grace, for our redemption in Christ Jesus, the Son. For his glory. Praise him. Worship him. Make much of him because of what he's done for us. I'm going to divide it up into three things. I'm going to give it a time essence, okay? So the first one I want you to think about in this way is this this fact here. In Christ, we are blessed immediately. Immediately, we are blessed in Christ. Listen, here's how. Forgiveness of all of our sins of the past occurs the moment we are regenerated, the moment we become a believer, the moment you confess and repent of your sins and believe on the Lord Jesus as your God, as your Savior. In that moment, your sins are wiped as far as the east is from the west in God's memory. They're gone. They're covered in the blood of Christ. His blood washes away our sins. We are made white under the scarlet giving of Christ. Forgiveness of all our sins of the past, but also forgiveness for all of our sins of the future. All those sins you're going to commit, they're already washed away. In the effectual work of Jesus on the cross. 2,000 years ago, he died for you so that those sins would be removed the moment you sin in the eyes of God. He paid the price for them all on the cross. If you are in Christ. In Christ. We are blessed immediately through the restoration of our broken relationship with God. You see, the biggest problem in all of Scripture is the fact that we want to be in relationship with God, and God wants to be in relationship with us, but we are sinners who constantly go against the character of God, so therefore we are not holy. He is holy, and so for Him to bring us into His presence for eternity would go against His very character. That's the biggest problem in all the Bible, that He would save us even though we are sinners. So to overcome that, he sent his son fully God, became fully man so we could be brought back in the family of God through his death, restoring the broken, being our redeemer, enslaved to sin. He removed that and paid the price by himself becoming enslaved to that sin on the cross so that we could be set free. And then even in his death, he had victory and freedom as he rose again. That's power. That's change. Whatever you've done, if you're in Christ, it's gone. Don't hold that over on yourself. You're not believing in the gospel. You're not giving him the worship he adores, that he needs, that he needs from us, but that he deserves. We're not giving him that worship when we don't believe that forgiveness and restoration has occurred in Christ. Also, immediately we're adopted into the family of God. Although we never deserve it, just like a child who's adopted, that's why the language is there. We don't deserve it. A child doesn't ever just pick their parents, the parents pick the child. This father has chosen to love on you and adopted you into the family. But by his willful decision to love you, he has done so. The one that we call Emmanuel, God with us, then also becomes God in us through the Holy Spirit. We never have to be alone again because of what he's done immediately. The Son of God declares for you that you are righteous and the Holy Spirit of God comes to dwell within you for the rest of your life. The rest of eternity, you're connected to God. He's not just by you. He's in you. You're never without him. Never alone through whatever you go through. In Christ, you'll never be alone. Listen, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus is leaving, right? He's leaving. He says, he says to his disciples, he says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. He's about to leave, and he says this, And behold, I am with you always even to the end of the age, never alone. Immediately he is with you and forever will be. If you read all the way through the scriptures, the Old Testament, all the way through the New, you see over and over again the beginning, as God was with them in the garden, as is talked about in Leviticus 26, 12, I will be your God, you'll be my people, and I will walk among you. I'll be with you. And in the end, we see that in Revelation 21 and 22. 21, where the, the new heaven and new earth. And he says, God will dwell with his people. He will be their God. He is already dwelling with us, brothers and sisters. In Christ Jesus, we have him with us now. We don't wait until eternal life starts at our death. Eternal life begins now. Jesus said it in his prayer to the Father before the cross. Eternal life is knowing him and the one whom he sent, Jesus. And if you know him now, if you're in Christ, he is with you. He is with you. Praise the Lord. Bless the king. He alone deserves the glory. He alone deserves our praise. In Christ, we are blessed immediately. And we're also, in Christ, blessed for the rest of our lives on this earth. Peace, no matter your circumstances. No matter how tumultuous it is, as long as you go back to residing and abiding in Christ, and you put your hope in Him in those moments, there's peace that surpasses understanding. The world may be crazy around you, but deep down you have peace because you know you have Jesus, and that's enough. He's your anchor. He's your solid rock. These are all scriptural revelations of who He is for us. Peace that surpasses understanding. Joy, regardless of the suffering we might face. Hope in the darkest of days is now yours and mine in Christ because he has secured our salvation. Because he's done it for us. Because he loves us that much. 2 Corinthians four sixteen through 18, it says, So we do not lose heart, brothers and sisters. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. But the things that are unseen are eternal. We put our hope in something that never changes, the person of the Christ. If we're in Christ, we have hope and joy and peace. You may think, well, I don't feel that right now. I understand. I go through times where I don't feel it either. And then when I run back to the Lord... When I put my hope in him, I say, Lord, remind me of what you've done for me. Where's the peace, Lord? Show me the peace. He shows you his son Jesus' face, and that's where we find it as we adore him and worship him. It's in our worship of him that we are overwhelmed by his glory even more. That's because we're made in his image. Right? That's because we're made in his image. Means We're made to reflect his glory back to him. That's what we're made for. So as we do what we're made to do, as we face ourselves back to the Christ and he reflects off of us back to himself and to all those around us, we are living out what we were created to be and do. And in those moments, we actually find the peace and the joy and the love and the hope in the midst of suffering and conflict. Turn your eyes to Jesus. Look full on his wonderful face. And the things of the world will go strangely dim. In the light of his glory and grace. Turn your eyes to him. Blessed be the Father. Blessed be the God of our Lord Jesus. We have no cause for worry about what might come. Victory over future trials and tribulations is secured in the powerful working of Jesus on the cross. Victory over all of our sins, done. Done. As we rest in the finished work of Jesus. He cried out it is finished. It wasn't finished after the resurrection. Do you remember? He cried out it is finished and then he died. He fulfilled all the work. It was done. It was just a going to happen thing. That he rose from the dead because he's God. The work was accomplished when he drank down the wrath we deserve for our sin and forgave us. Even if you lose everything in this life. You will always have everything you need and more than you could ever want in Christ. If he is really yours. Romans 6 A little bit long, 3 through 11. Write that down. Go back and look at this later. Part of your homework. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? It's talking about union with Christ. You were baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In order that, here's the reason, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Amen? Man, that is good for the glory of the Lord. Thank you, God. For once and for all, you defeated it. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also, he says, must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Spurgeon said it like this as he was reflecting on this passage. He said, he that has it, the blessing of God in Christ. He that has it, though he is in poverty, he is rich. Though he is in sorrow, he is consoled. Though he is in shame, he has honor. Though he lie dying, he shall revive. Though he were dead, yet shall he live. Yet shall he live. We've experienced a lot of death recently in our faith family. Just this week, at least four funerals. These brothers and sisters that go before us are not dead. As John Owen, one of my favorite Puritan preachers, said, we are in the land of the dying and yet soon we will be in the land of the living with him. That is our life. Christ is our life. Not only is it immediately effective for us, not only for the rest of our lives, but for all eternity in Christ we are blessed. No fear of death for Christ has defeated death for us on the cross. No fear of judgment, brothers and sisters, for Christ has been judged in our place and found worthy even though we would not be. He is worthy. 100 years from now, the only thing that's going to matter is your relationship with Jesus when it comes down to judgment and death. And he's paid it all. If you're in Christ, you have nothing to worry about. We are not the source of our being blessed, but we can be a blessing as we reflect God's glory back to him. We can bless him by worshiping him and bless others by giving them the one that can bring them home as well. So let us bless God because we've been blessed in Christ. And let us bless others because we've received the blessing of Jesus. That, that, that time way back in Genesis 12 where Abraham was given the mission. That mission has never changed. Not one time. The mission is the same. We see it more clearly in Christ. But the mission has never changed. Genesis 12, one through 3. Listen. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great, so that, here's the reason for all that, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And that was pointing to the coming of the Christ. Read it in the idea of thinking about that, that the Christ is the one who fulfilled this ultimately. Listen, the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country like Christ left from his to come here. Go from your kindred in your Father's house, as Christ had for us, to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation in Christ. And I will bless you and make your name great. And by the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of the Father. Amen, brothers and sisters. Amen. And I will bless those who bless you. Those who bless the Lord will be blessed because they have already been blessed to be, by being in him. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. That's the end judgment. That's what we're talking about. And in you, in Christ, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And now we who are in the image of God, who are being sanctioned by Christ to carry on the mission, have the same goal. To be a blessing because we've been blessed in Jesus. And he will make our name great as we are found in Christ. For Paul says, no longer I who live. This isn't Thomas anymore. This is Jesus that lives within me. In the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I am crucified in Christ. All for his glory. May we live for his glory in those ways. Let us praise God in all things at all times, in every season, no matter our circumstances. Because in Christ we have everything. Praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And let us praise and worship our God. Let it rise before men so that they too might be blessed by God in Christ all to the praise of his glory and grace. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I pray today that you would put your hope and faith in Jesus and bless him because he has blessed us. If you've never done that, today is the day. You're hearing the gospel because God has set forth a time for you to be here, and you're hearing the call to believe in Jesus today. The only way, the only path, the only way to live in the blessing of God for all eternity is to be in his presence through Jesus. For Jesus is the blessing. It's not to get anything else. If it were to be on Pluto that we would go, it would be, we'd be excited because of Jesus. It doesn't matter if it's heaven or on earth. It, it matters about do we have Christ. For he is everything or he is nothing for us. So blessed, brothers and sisters. Let's worship, adore, bless the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Give yourselves to him again today, this morning, and tomorrow, again, over and over again. And before all others, let ourselves worship him so that he alone. He alone, not us. He alone, not our abilities, not our skills, not our money, not our careers. But he alone gets the glory. He alone, for his glory and for our joy. Father, I pray for us that you would give yourself over to us in such a way that you press your holy, weightful glory upon us in Christ Jesus your Son, and that we be overwhelmed and that your Spirit would work in our hearts so that we might love you and give ourselves back to you. Lord, would you make much of your Son Jesus in us so that we might make much of you for your glory, for an audience of one, but also so that all the others around us might be brought into the family, your family, through your Son, by your Spirit, because of your wisdom, For your glory. And I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.